This is Macro Monkeys, where macroeconomic analysis meets the markets through the eyes of retail investor monkeys. Content provided is solely for informational and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendations of any kind for any security, futures contract, transaction, or investment strategy. Trading securities can involve high risk and the loss of any funds invested. Please consult a licensed professional for any specific investment advice. Hey, I'm uh, I'm Double A, and joined by Mike O'Connor. Um, this is a podcast that uh, we're going to call Macro Monkeys. We are both um, market enthusiasts and active participants, and um, pay attention to the ever-evolving macro story. Mike, thanks for uh, thanks for joining. My pleasure. Which means we've got uh, black and blues the size of Texas, where I live, thanks to. Um... Thanks to our good friend Jerome, who I thought was just going to give the market a tongue lashing yesterday, but he decided on a full-on beatdown. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's actually where I wanted to go first. Is um, obviously yesterday Jerome Powell spoke at the Jackson Hole conference, um, which is um, draws a lot of attention every single year, and especially this year because of the state of inflation. Although I think uh, market participants were way overestimating the. Fed's proclivity to switch from tightening bias to easing bias, and Jerome smacked that out of the market yesterday. And I think he did. I think you're right. And I think he did it with one one line, and that line was pain. Uh, pain, exactly, pain. exactly. <laughs> he said that, that word that consumers and businesses um, will likely feel some pain, and it is uh, the cost of reducing inflation. And and as I sat here and watched the speech. And and the futures market at the same time, it was it was an instant reaction. Of course, you know, then 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 the condition dip buyers came in and got spanked yesterday. Um, but it was that one word pain. Yeah, anyone who bought yesterday's dip was crazy. Yeah, but I mean, we've been conditioned for for a decade, right? So it's it's I guess it's hard for some to to realize that the environment that they're that they're buying in has changed. Yeah, but this time he went out of his way. He could not have been more clear about how relentless and long they're going. Now, of course, he's probably, as he does all this, he's probably going to the first stiff breeze that comes along. You know, they're going to change change to a softening bias. Who knows? But, uh, you know, they, um, they tried to make it pretty clear yesterday. I would say yesterday was over-communication at its finest. Right, and he kind of had a little ground to make up from the July meeting, too, where he, he mentioned the neutral rate, and the market took that as we're there or we're close. Yep. So, yep. so I, I think he did have to come out and, and kind of hit him with it and, and just, you know, um, just right between the eyes, hey, stupid style. Yeah, I also think we got a little a little caught up in our own demand destruction bullshit where because I've been tracking a lift in commodity, at least relative strength of commodities and especially energy lately. Mm -hmm. um, which tells me that um, the inflationary pressures on the economy are more complex complex than simply kill the jobs market, kill the housing market, everything's going to be fine. Uh, you know, I think we're dealing with some supply side pressure that is not going to abate. And uh, the fact is, Americans' cost of living is going to be higher. Wage inflation is the other issue. And uh, so I don't think this was a case of uh, a couple more rate hikes, let's keep it flat for three months, and then let's start easing and uh, put the QE2 back on to help the market, you know, out of a recession. I don't think that's going to happen this time. You know, I agree with you. And, and actually, I want to ask um, a question, but first an, an observation. I was speaking with somebody else um, last night and we were 
talking about the fact that you know retails re- retail sales are hanging in there. Um, I don't know if you saw the latest University of Michigan um, consumer um, uh, sentiment release, confidence. which was a- yeah. yeah confidence. That's right, uh, which was actually up, um, yeah. and and more so than they imagined. But of course. You know the correlation between that UMish study and in gasoline is is pretty strong. So really, it's you know reflective of the, f- the fact that energy's come down a little bit. But the consumers hanging in there, which prov- pr- which proves to be a challenge for the Fed, don't you think? In the sense that um, they don't want a strong consumer, at least not this strong right now. But the observation is perhaps they're they're kind of at this point they're they're feeling the effect of the wealth gap, which they've helped to exacerbate because now yeah. they have to, you know, in order to, to, to curtail inflation a little bit, they're going to have to crush the bottom half and pinch the top half. Well, especially considering the um, consumer might be a little bit drunk on their spending habits because credit card balances haven't been this high in a long time. What was it $24 billion as of Q2? Yeah, I, I actually read the stat this morning. It's 22%. Um, outstanding revolving uh, year over year uh, increase. Yeah. yeah. So, that's so you've true. got that. You've got 20 uh, million or so utility customers that are three months or more in arrears that are now starting to get shut off. I mean, there's all these signs that um, we burn through the buffer zone between hand to mouth existence and the savings account that, you know, maybe the government made a little bit uh, fuller by through rent forgiveness programs during the pandemic and uh, possibly the. Um, you know, recent student loan forgiveness and uh, and let's not forget the cash that went into people's pockets and uh, a couple of different spurts over the last two years. So I think that runway might be running out. Right, because savings accounts are, are, are you know, a 5% bleed. So there's there's a slow bleed on savings yeah. accounts as I'm sure people are just, you know, paying paying minimums monthly on revolving. Yeah, so not a whole lot of places to go. Still upward price pressure in enough parts of the economy, particularly labor market, energy. I think energy is going to be a challenge. You're looking at the, um, you're looking at some, I mean, it's not everything, right? It's natural gas is probably leading the way, but uh, um, energy is not coming down and the kind of prices that Europe is paying for uh, heat next year, it's going to spill over into this country. Yeah, just as fast as they can build, you know, LNG facilities right. at both ports, because then the opportunity to export to Europe to to generate a higher, you know, margin is there if if they can Four get four to it there. one difference yeah. in price. Yeah, because yep. it's it's nine dollars per unit here, and it's thirty nine roughly yep. per unit there. Yep. So I think um, I think that yesterday to me was a big re- reset, I, and I'm afraid that the market isn't done reacting to it. I think this will be a um, this may be one of those. Um, Maybe not, but I, I there, there there may be some two-sided trading in all of this. But I think directionally speaking, the market needs to adjust to a um, different PE multiple based now not only on just multiple contraction, but estimates are going to start coming down as the reality of long-term higher interest rates, which will really crimp housing, retail spending, and uh, uh, you know the basics, right? I work for a company that uh, we we just fielded a proprietary study, uh, inflation study t- toward the packaged goods and grocery industry. And already you, we're finding that consumers are so strapped that they are actually c- literally cutting back on the amount of groceries they purchase because there's very little room in other parts of their lives to cut back on. And, and that actually it kind of supports what I said earlier about pinch the top and, and crush the bottom because right. those who participate in studies are more likely to be bottom. Is that would that be fair? 
Well, I, although, you know, we try to sample balance and all that, I, I would true. say, you know, clearly the lower income brackets are going to, they have less runway. But in general, this was a representative sample of different income brackets. So, it, yes, there's always a little bit of a skew when it comes to survey participants. But uh, but in general, this is fairly sample balanced. And uh, it's a good chunk, you know, out of the 2,000 respondents we had, one-third said they recognize that prices are higher compared to a year ago. And what is the number one thing they're cutting out of their lives? Fewer groceries. And number two is restaurants. restaurants so we're, we're down to food is, I guess, what I'm trying to say. The um, the spending on trips and the uh, whatever, the plastic chachis that you order from Amazon, you know, I think that's already been cut just based on retail inventories that are, you, you know, a lot of retailers are overordered and are discounting now. And right. uh, that's working its way through the system. Right. And, and I've noticed just through the data that, that something similar is happening in the auto market where finally used car sales are starting to show just a little bit of weakness month over yep. month. Yeah. And how's the housing market in Denver where you live? You and I live each and I think two of the hottest housing markets uh, that we've had uh, around the country in the last two years. Yes. So I'm in Denver. You're in Austin, Texas. Yep. Um, Denver is so and, I, and I'm involved in the mortgage industry. Um, which it seems somebody just pulled the emergency brake on, you know, back in February. It's been awfully slow this year. Purchases are still out there. Time on market is up. You know, I think nationally the number is 14%, but 14% of zero days, you know, so now you're on you're on the market for, you know, a week. So there's still demand out there. Um, what I've observed uh, is that the bidding wars have pretty much gone away. There's a few of them here and there, but that's not really part of the equation. Um, anymore. And, and and rates have actually come back in pretty noticeably uh, mortgage rates since the June high, you know, um, back right. You know, the national average is a little over five. I'm seeing rates from from some of my wholesalers down under five now. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I think the Fed was kind of uh, perplexed by that, right? Because they did the emergency hike. And how did the market respond? With lower rates, or the bond With market lower- anyway. With lower rates, and, and the best I can understand that is that the bond market perceives that as the Fed actually doing its job in fighting inflation, therefore protecting the return of that bond, right? Right. So, but that actually is, is the thing I was going to ask your opinion of, because yesterday, obviously, Jerome came out and, and hammered the market. Um, but did you notice the bond market didn't really move? And, and as a matter of fact, it was up for a time on the yeah, it's uh, uh, completely intraday. different than the stock market. I did notice that. It, it, do, do you have any thoughts on that? My thought is, you know, they. The bond market has given a little bit bit back lately, and mm-hmm. so is this another example of the bond market leading the Fed, or is this an example of the of the bond market calling bullshit on the Fed's hawkishness? Well, it may be. Um, it, it may be we have to wait and see. But uh, what has been what's been interesting is because I I do some relative strength analysis on the fixed income market once a week, and uh, I'm just pulling it up as as we talk. Um, I did notice that what drifted to one of the higher uh, levels in terms of the relative price of bonds is tips, believe it or not. Treasury inflation protected securities mm-hmm. started drifting up in uh, price over the last few weeks after really getting crushed, you know, when, I think when inflation expectations got derailed. But lately, they've come back up in price. And, uh, you know, I think the 10 year note and the uh, three year and the one and the two year Treasury have all sort of, you know, kind of fallen in step with the Fed now, right? Rates rates overall up mostly in the last week or two, right? A, a little bit, yeah. But yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm looking at the a chart of the 10 year, the TNX, 
and it, it shows a, a pretty bearish from the from the standpoint of yield, a pretty bearish weekly candle where it it, it ran up and touched um, resistance right around 3.2 and, and and fell back. So you know it's that inverted hammer weekly candle. Uh, not to pull too much too many visuals into this, but but it it, it appeared to be a, a bullish or I'm sorry a bearish end of the week for for yield despite Jerome Powell's you know hawkish words. Yeah, definitely a little bit of a shooting uh, star candle up at, at resistance. But the fact is, the last four weeks, rates have been going up that's true. after a big pullback. Uh, that is very true. So, yeah. and, and that's kind of my question is, is, is did, did the market catch up? Uh, did the equity market catch up with the bond market? Um, and, and that's why we didn't see too much of a move yesterday in the bond market, at least too much of a bearish move. Yeah, or did the bond market see what I'm seeing are just little signs that inflation is not slowing universally as everyone like to think yeah. and thought in June. That's kind of what I'm picking up. Right, as 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 crude oil is is off its lows and and maybe making another you know yep. another run towards challenging some prior resistance. And some agricultural commodities uh, are way off their bottom as well. You know, and and metals. No, precious metals look terrible. Gold and silver look terrible, but uh, yeah, horrible. Uh, what's copper been doing lately? I've you know i I've just been the more I check things, the more I'm seeing commodities kind of go up. Uh, copper, I think, had a big pullback day yesterday, but in general, the um, copper commodity looked like it was getting ready to maybe break out to a new recent high. It's uh, you know it's been in a horrible downtrend, but uh, copper uh, looks looks similar to the ten-year. Yeah, it, so around know, yeah. Uh, third week in July, copper sort of reversed, right, and started moving again. Yeah, and, and everything and is like that. In the dollar, so that's the other thing I think that's an important key right here is watching the dollar as it is it is also. Um, you know, challenging the high that it made just a few weeks ago back in early July, back at, you know, about 109. Um, yeah, and I think the dollar is uh, indicating another problem that, um, you know, everyone's, meaning outside the U.S., you can kind of tell that foreign countries are scrambling for dollars, right? There's about 30 countries that burn through their IMF um, allocation. You know, they everybody gets a little a little amount they can borrow against. And mm -hmm. most people, because they have to buy fuel, right? And a dollar is the reserve currency, and that's how fuel is mostly traded in, um, right. energy meaning. Um, but you kind of get the feeling that there's a scramble for dollars there, and maybe a bit of a shortage uh, of dollars because of um, you know what's going on around the world with inflationary pressures on energy. Um, and the other thing is the Chinese yuan looks like it's getting ready to I don't know what it's going to do, but it, it. I wonder if China comes in and devalues the the yuan. You, you know, I read I read earlier today um, from from an economist that that, that that that's you know a possible if not likely scenario is that yep. China comes in and and manipulates the yuan a little bit, especially in in the face of the fact that um, their real estate market over there, which is one of the largest in the world, if not the largest, actually yep. is is just in bad shape. To Horrible. say the least. Yeah. Yeah. Banks are failing because of uh, um, not only our developers who borrowed money, not completing projects, but then the uh, consumers. I guess over there, you have to kind of pay your mortgage while your build, your unit is being built, and uh, the so the borrowers get mortgages and start paying off their mortgage before the builders even completed the project before they moved in. And uh, Apparently, what's happened is uh, the Chinese consumers have had enough. They don't believe it. They think it's a big Ponzi scheme. So they've stopped paying. So banks are basically getting stiffed by developers and consumers, so both sides of the lending equation. And uh, 
apparently, you know, China keeps putting Band-Aids on it, but that thing looks like it's going to blow up and they're going to have their quote-unquote Lehman moment. Yeah, U- U.S. policymakers take note. This is what happens when when consumers lose, quote, faith and confidence, right? Right. Yeah. So if you have a massive implosion of the yuan, that means that, do- and of course, they're trying not to buy, use euro dollars to buy uh, petrol, but that's tough, right? Because um, China's a net importer. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think there's a scramble for dollars out there, and that puts real pressure on uh, companies that uh, do a lot of business outside the U.S. or are, are so-called multinationals, like in the Dow. Mm-hmm. And then the, um, and then I think the globe is. I think there could be a synchronized global recession, which yeah. will be um, exacerbated by this potential currency crisis. Right. And, and, and at this point, so I agree with that. And at this point, it looks like, you know, Europe is going to be um, the body that kind of drags the world into it. Right. Kind of yep. leads the way because Europe is in in horrible shape. Yeah. Uh, well, and right some now. depressed um, second world countries as well, because they all have to buy energy in dollars. And they're, you know, obviously Europe's got a really tough problem because you're right. They're going to have to they're paying four times what we pay for for, you know, gas. And so imagine having to um, you have to you have to get dollars first, right? Translate mm-hmm. the euro into right. dollars, and then buy overpriced energy. That's right. at, at probably below par, right, or, or or right at par. And and so the the thing I was I was reading this morning about about Europe is that um, because of the cost of gas uh, in energy, really, you know, somebody who used to pay two hundred dollars to heat their home through the winter in in Germany or you know, the UK or whatever, uh, that $200 bill could be $2,000. Yep. It's true. For a month to heat somebody's home through, through, through winter. So, um, those pressures are going to lead Europe to a pretty, pretty bad place if they come to be. And then we have one other thing that I can't possibly begin to explain other than it's never been done at this level, but the, but the fed allegedly accelerates the deleveraging of its balance sheet beginning on September 1st, right? Yeah, that is uh, that's exactly right. You're, you're you're bringing up all the things that uh, QT, Q, yeah, QT in earnest. So everybody who thinks that the Fed has been unwinding their balance sheet since they you know first mentioned it back in what was that March, um, it, it, there's been very little unwind um, at all, and it's supposed supposed to begin in earnest in in September, um, against what is now a more than fifty percent chance of another seventy five percent seventy five basis point hike. So the Fed's bringing the business, you know, they're, they're bringing the heat in in September. Um, and if they do a 75, tell me what you think about this. If they do a 75 basis point hike in um, at their next meeting, that would, in theory, and, and, and probably would, lead the three-month Treasury to have a higher return than the 10-year. Mm. At 3.25, right? Yeah, so the 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the 10 year is currently trading. Uh, where do we go here on my screen? Just a little over 3%. Um, and so, you know, the three month would 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 be about three and a quarter. And did you see how fast the Fed fund futures moved to the 75 uh, basis point hike last week? It was 6040 in favor of a 50 to start the week or 5545, yeah. I think. Yeah. And by the close of the week, well, at least I didn't check after the big bomb that Jerome dropped on the market yesterday morning. But as of the opening bell yesterday, it was a 60-40 in favor of a 75 basis point hike. 
Yeah, I'm looking right now. I think it ended the day uh, 60 40 uh, in favor of a 75. Yeah, so it stayed there. Stayed yeah. where it was in the beginning. Yeah, yep. it's, it's, so it shifted it's, radically in about five trading days. Yeah, to be to be exact, it's 61.39 is where it ended the week. That's up about a point uh, from the day before. Yeah. So what do you see, um, you, you know, moving into next week? I know you talked, uh, you mentioned um, that the down move is likely to continue. Well, um, I think it's, I, I don't you? I, I think there's nothing that gets in the way of uh, the stock market going down. You know, I, I do. I think Monday is probably going to be a challenged uh, a day um, for for bullish participants. I, I, I don't know. I think there's some bounces coming. I don't know if we're going to get back to the 4100 we saw. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get back. To that. I don't think we're going to get back to the 4300 we saw earlier. And was it this week or last week? Um, but, yeah, probably, you know, a lower. Uh, a, I guess the question in my mind is, do we go back and challenge the lows from earlier this year? Do we get that low on on this leg? Until yesterday morning, I would have said no. I would have thought that I uh, like the rest of market participants. Although I wasn't, uh, I was more skeptical that inflation was going to be a, you know, the inflation wasn't already over and peaked the way it was described by a lot of folks while this rally was happening. But I would not count myself in the camp of what I heard yesterday, which is. Um, us, you know, it's not necessarily a prolonged period of hiking, though I get the idea they're going to be aggressive um, that way, that they're, they're not going to stop at least till they get to 4%. But the, um, and how quickly they do that remains to be seen. But the, uh, but I think the bigger issue is they're not going to ease right away. I think, uh, I think Jerome feels like this is his Volcker moment. And if he makes the mistake that was made in the 70s, you know, within, like starting in 1973, where the Fed didn't, put their took their foot off the gas pedal yeah. you know before you know it, we're paying 20 percent mortgages and i think he does not want to be that guy and so he he's already he admitted as much by saying we're going to throw you into recession we're going to throw people out of jobs and we're going to um cause some pain pain yeah housing market pain was the other thing well mm -hmm. what he didn't say but it's it's more than implied i, th I think you have to assume that it's what he's saying is we're going to throw the economy into a recession. Hopefully not too bad a one. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th I, I think that's kind of a foregone conclusion at this point. It's just right. a matter of, of, of when does it happen and then yeah. when do they admit it? I think the market was totally surprised by um, the excessive hawkishness yesterday. Yeah. And the market and, and, was not priced for that at all. And as a result of that, I think the my personal opinion is the reaction is going to be extreme. The digestion isn't going to cause market participants to suddenly go, oh, OK, I see. I see the end game here. Let's buy some <laughs> Apple. I just don't see that happening. Right, right, right. I think um, M, M came down and then kind of scooted back up. We're back up to what, an 18 PE multiple on the S&P before yesterday's thousand point sell off on the Dow anyway. Yeah, um, you know, I haven't checked that metric for a while. Well, it was, I can tell you for sure, before the start of trading, it was 18, 18 and a half yesterday. Gotcha. And, and, and um, sometime last year, it was in the low 20s. So we've come in a little bit. Right. And we came down more. We were down to 14 for a while, but it was all on multiple contraction. The uh, estimates out there were still for, you know, 10% corporate co profit growth. That doesn't happen in an environment where the Fed aggressively tightens and then leaves it there forever. Well, not forever, but it'll feel like forever. And I think what will happen is, um, and very quickly, uh, bank analysts will start coming in with major downgrades on key S&P. Because let, let's face it, who gets what gets hurt the most 
by a rising interest rate environment, it's tech stocks. They got spanked yesterday. You see semiconductors down 5%. I did. I did. Yep. I did. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess maybe financials and energy, uh, they went down the least or actually even went up in some cases. But the rest of the market, especially consumer discretionary and uh, um, and uh, tech, just got clobbered. To your point about the market readjusting for, for higher for longer, uh, just looking on the FOMC, uh, the FedWatch tool that the CME group provides, um, likelihood of uh, rates being Fed funds rate being 375 to 400 one year from today has increased 10 percent um, in the last week. Yeah, they're not stopping until they get to four. And and I think you're right. And I think you nailed it, that the market is starting to adjust to that reality. Right. Yeah. Now, whether he does it at 50 basis points, he that, that listen, that might cause a relief rally. Oh, he's not going to go as fast as we thought. Oops, sorry about that. He's not going as fast as we thought he he was going to. And maybe that buys some relief rally, but I think um, I think the market reprices this based on shrinking corporate profit forecast for next year, pretty quickly. Yeah, and then it's also going to be very interesting to see how the market responds to you know, actual QT in the month of September. And, and and being in the mortgage space, there's something that I'm I'm concerned about is, and they they haven't they've touched on it, they haven't said whether they're going to do it or whether they're not going to do it, they said they're considering it, um, is the outright sale of mortgage-backed securities, which, you know, you and I have talked about this before off mic, that could pro produce a situation similar to what we saw um, during the onset of COVID during, uh, in the more, in the mortgage-backed security space, where it just kind of- A liquid market. Just a completely a liquid market, because, you know, who wants to buy 2% paper in, 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 right. in, a, in, eight, in an 8% you know, CPI world. Yep. Um, so that could be some serious pain for the housing market yeah. if that was to occur. And so then we have to think of the other thing is the uh, contagion of the, the energy shock in Europe and the food shock around the world and the fact that there's 30 countries in the IMF that have burned through their, their loan allocations for the year already, just to buy fuel to this point. Um, so it kind of, listen, I think the background is at the very least, the market sells off because the Fed, uh, I don't think the Fed, this is the Fed's fault. I think the market overinterpreted, but mm -hmm. either way, the market was caught off guard and it doesn't like surprises and it's going to react to that. And that'll be some kind of nominal reaction. I don't think that's the cascading downward spiral of death or anything, but I think whatever happens, it'll be a few hundred points pretty quick. Yeah. Th then you just wonder about the shoes. And the shoes would relate to the credit market, um, whether it's a dollar shortage causing, you know, based on countries scrambling to secure petrodollars for to buy energy, or whether there's some kind of, you know, great distraction. Chinese the bottom is about to fall out of the Chinese economy. Let's start a war in Taiwan. You know, those are the kind of variables I think of that are that have the potential to take really ugly future and make it really colossally disastrous. Not to mention the fact that that there's there's still a war in in Ukraine um, that could be escalated at any point, right? That's Especially, right. You know, I'm personally concerned about that heading into um, midterms. Action over there to, yep. to 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 pinch over here. Yep, I think that's all very uh, legitimate, and it's just it's, it's just a dangerous time. To be an investor, but again, you know, usually those are the times where 
Frady cats get burned. And uh, and so you do have to, I think the, you know, the, we'll probably hear this cliche about a, a stock pickers market. I mean, let's face it, there was a massive stimulus bill with lots of tax support for the purchase of various clean energy products and the ETF tan. That didn't get that didn't get spanked badly yesterday. You know, there's going to be pockets of the market that are going to do. I, I mean, I guess tan. When I say it didn't do badly, market went down 3.38 percent. I think tan went down two percent. So it's it's we're, we're down less. Yeah, yeah, it went down less. Um, and so I think there's going to be places out there that are going to benefit from some of that spending bill that just passed, the Inflation <laughs> Reduction Act. And to that end, you mentioned earlier you do, you do uh, relative strength analysis. Um, what where where can people read what you're what you're doing? You have a Substack, right? I do. Yep. Uh, and it, listen, the big picture is free. It's uh, so it's worth going to um, if you want to subscribe to the premium stuff. It's just a deeper version of the uh, free stuff, and it's uh, called stockcheatsheets.substack.com, and it's a daily blog with a bunch of data that just basically it's nothing more than a some aggregated technical data. You know, I'm of the belief that market participants know everything that uh, they're supposed to know about companies that, uh, when everyone else knows it. So the behavioral data, in effect, becomes proxy fundamental data. And so I've created a grading system, kind of a proprietary mix of different technical signals that, when taken together, can act as a competitive rating system for stocks. So I've got that for ETFs, for um, the free version, and then uh, um, you know, for the premium version, we go down and, and pick individual stocks with the, with these scores and then give some basic trading signals um, and your, to allow and your people the chance to enter. And your premium version is is quite affordable. Yeah, it's five bucks a month or yeah. 50 bucks a year. So it's uh, we're not trying to get rich off of it. We're just trying to um, listen. I just want to get paid for doing my homework, <laughs> you know, because uh, trading is sometimes you can you can you can do all the right things. And you're not going to be rewarded by certain market conditions. And I think this is uh, one of them right. um, that we're going to be looking forward to. There'll be some nice two-way trading, I think. Uh, I don't know about you. Did you sell a bunch of call spreads yesterday? You know, I did not. I um, I was in the futures market yesterday. So I, as I watched your own pal speak, I was uh, – Oh, you were scalping. I was I, – I did some day scalping in, in yeah. the E-minis yesterday and, and, you know, worked out yesterday. Yep, there you go. Well, it was one direction to go yesterday once he That's opened his mouth. That's right. It was uh, it was that word pain, and uh, that's when I hit the sell button. Of course, the uh, the buy the dippers came in, and I got stopped out, but got back in, and, and it worked out well. So we'll have our jobs report. Will it be the first Friday after Labor Day? I think so. So um, yes. not this uh, coming Friday, but the following Friday, I believe. Actually, it might be this Friday. Oh, is Labor Day this Monday? Uh, Labor Day is a week from Monday. A week from Monday. Okay. Yeah, you, oh, you so think the jobs report comes out before uh, Labor Day? Got it. I think it comes out this Friday, the second. I do. All right. Well, that'll be a big one. And I think claims is interesting. You know, we're starting to see a little bit of a, I don't know if it's, it's not necessarily a tick up. Actually, I think claims came down, didn't they, this week? They came down. I think they're, they're hovering right around 250, 260, right. which, which is, you know, the highest kind of level uh, it's been at, um, yep. average level it's been at since, you know, November of last year. Yep. So, well, so it's starting to see some action there. I think a lot of companies are going to get the bad news out on the heels of the Fed announcement because they can sort of hide under it. Does that make sense? So if it you're going to do layoffs, if you're going to warn about what appears to be a bad second half or third quarter, wouldn't you kind of sneak that out this week 
And uh, just so the press all lumps it in, the financial press lumps it into Jerome's speech. Right. Similar to the way that a company that you and I used to uh, work for did massive layoffs uh, the day of Barack Obama's uh, inauguration. Just That's so, right. So, so nobody covers it. Yeah. I think Cheap Channel was the name of the company at the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it's known on the streets. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, like, uh, again, people can find uh, your, your stuff at, uh, at Substack. Uh, I have a blog uh, on my personal website. I talk about mostly housing um, and things related to housing at AaronMontel.com. So that's how you can find us. And uh, we'll, do, uh, we'll do some more of these podcasts. This has been fun, man. Thank you. Sounds good, Double A. Thanks for having me as a guest. You got it. We'll talk to you next time. All right. See you. Bye-bye.